Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings. It is the 6 and 6. The Vikings might be going to the playoffs edition of the show. Uh, your team has battled back against all odds from a 1-5 start to possibly uh, reaching the postseason. We'll know a lot more about that after after this uh, this game against the Bucks in Week 13. Um, on the show tonight, we will have uh, Super Bowl champion Bryant McKinney, and we will have a lifer fan from Eden Prairie, Ron. And I apologize, uh, we had a scheduling conflict. Warren Sapp was supposed to join us, uh, but he will not be able to join for this episode. We're going to work on getting him involved for a recap between the Vikings and Bucks, so hopefully he won't have bragging rights. Again, full, uh, full apologies on that. We fully expect him to show up, um, but we're going to have to wait for a recap show. Um, let's first do the homage to our sponsors things. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Online. Um, the Minnesota Vikings are seven-point underdogs this week at Tampa Bay. Um, so if you believe that the Vikings can stay within <clears throat> one touchdown of the mighty Brady-led Bucks, then go put your money where your mouth is. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there is always the casino online that is open, um, never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. So let's just hop into it. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, Bryant, what kind of mood are you in after watching the Jaguars come up short against your Minnesota Vikings? Definitely in a better mood um, again this week. Um, So hopefully next weekend I can be in the same mood. Yeah, when we started the show, it was the very beginning of the season. We did a season preview show. We went through all of our predictions and went through some stories from you. And then the first month and a half, it was just loss after loss. And even when we had that one win against the Texans, we got on the show and it was a completely different atmosphere. And for the most part, after that Falcons loss, we've been winning ever since. And it just changes the vibe for the show, for, for your life in general, uh, for your fandom and all. Um, as I mentioned, uh, we also have a lifer Viking fan, Ron, from Eden Prairie. Um, Ron, tell me your your synopsis on that Vikings-Jaguars game. You know, it was a little ugly. Um, we've had a tendency this year to kind of play down to the opponents a little bit. Um, but, you know, ultimately they got the win. Um, you know, there's a lot of things to look at and kind of be happy with. Um, mainly the development of the young players. Cameron Dantzler stands out. Um 
you know, Chris Boyd had a little bit of a rough game <laughs> on a couple of uh, mistakes, but uh, overall, the to see them bounce back, especially after coming out in the second half with the, giving them the, the touchdown, but, uh, you know, putting it all together and, uh, you know, the defense making a critical stand in overtime, uh, which at the time when we, <laughs> after the offensive pass interference and uh, it, it was like, oh, here we go again, the Vikings finding another way to, to lose it um, or to find just the most uh, obscure ways for it to, to go down. So to see them come back, Harrison to cap it with the pick and the offense to work themselves down. So um, a win's a win. Um, Brian, I'm sure you're familiar with that. It doesn't matter how you get it. A win is a win. So. Absolutely. Um, you go in the locker room the next day feeling a lot good, you know, feeling like, you know, good about yourself and stack on another win and, and looking for to do that the, the following week. <clears throat> Brian, do players, you know how fans, not necessarily Ron or myself, but fans will say like, well, yeah, but you, you beat the one in 10 Jaguars by a single point. Do players think like that? Like, do they look around each other and say, we can only beat these damn guys by a point. What's, what's the matter with us? Or is it usually a sense of positivity that you beat somebody no matter their record? I feel like it's more about a sense of positivity that you should beat somebody based off the record. Because, I mean, if you look at Pittsburgh, they were supposed to, on paper, you would have thought they would have won. <laughs> so it's not really about blowing people out. It's really about – and a lot of teams who may have bad records may have always been losing games by two or three points. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's the Jaguars. Right. So it's it's not like a – they just are like that terrible. They just can't find ways to win at the end. So yeah, yeah that's so what, you're, you're just happy about getting the win. I was trying to tell folks about that during, before, after the Jaguars game that they are one in ten indeed, but they are taking teams that are good to the brink, and that's exactly what they did to us. I'm not gonna. At the end of the day, when you look back at that that season and you look at the wins and losses, you're not gonna really remember every score unless it's like printed on there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you're really looking at the wins and losses. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, one thing I want to call out is there's been a sentiment that the Vikings play down to their competition or Mike Zimmer always does this. And to th- this year, that has happened. We've played up to the good teams and we've played down to the bad ones. But this is new for Mike Zimmer and the Vikings. Normally, he's criticized for not having the team ready for the good teams. Um, and he historically takes care of business against the bad teams. So I have no idea why the narrative flipped that he only shows up against these good teams. And then we, we play down to the competition. Like that's happening this year. And it probably has a lot to do with the fact we don't have Daniel Hunter, Anthony Barr, Michael Pierce. We're limping by on defense and you can see it. If you've watched the Vikings for longer than this season, you know that this product is predicated on defense. So I want to call that out. Uh, One thing that, uh, was very promising was the second half adjustments on defense that first quarter in general offense defense everything was just garbage uh it was it felt like quote one of those games where we didn't show up to play and indeed we didn't show up to play uh and then we did we show signs of life in the second quarter and the defense in the second half after i think allowing 230 250 yards in the first half clamped down to a degree i mean it wasn't lights out um but we can see incremental improvement from the defense. Yes, it's been against some p- opponents that are lackluster, um, but as Bryant said, like it doesn't really matter who's on your schedule. You have to line up and beat them. So, Ron, I want to ask you, in the remaining month of this se- season, do you think that this defense will mold into a finished product from here, or do you think that what we saw in the second half against Jacksonville, is this the ceiling, or do you think it's going to get better and better? I think it's hard to put a, a metric on that because being so young, there's going to be the ups and downs. And uh, the, the one 
the development that you see is going to continue to happen. Now, if it happens day in, day out, um, you know, every game, you know, you might see Dantzler have a good game and Boyd not like we did on Sunday, or you might see Boyd have a good game and can't miss some plays like, like against DK Metcalf in the Seattle game. So I don't know if there's going to be a, it's going to be hard to measure it because you are missing those veterans and Michael Pierce, the run stuffer, uh, Daniel Hunter obviously helps, helps pass rush. Um, but I think overall, uh, from where we are now to where we are, where we were in like week two, um, there's a lot of positives to draw out of that. I I agree. Um, Bryant, you were a rookie in 2002 and you were pretty damn good. Once you, once you showed up to play, um, my question to you is, do you remember your rookie lumps? Do you remember guys getting the best of you on the defensive line? Um, or basically, can you give us a little speech on how a player matures during his rookie year? Um, yeah, you have to mature because you can go from college, you can um, kind of get by with doing some things. But once you get to the NFL, a lot of things are like a lot more technical, whether it's foot placement, hand placement, all those type of things. So you really have to hone in on that. So me sometimes can overpower people in college because of my size. But when you get to league, they may have better hand placement and technique. So that's what you got to start focusing on in that level. Okay. What about when you're the, you know, the best thing since sliced bread in college, and then you have to make the adjustments to a pro. Um, is it, does it feel like you're just, you're starting college all over again or? No, you... not really. I mean, if you're really good coming out, it's just, uh, you know, some small little things you just need to learn. Yeah. And you wish you have knew this back in college too. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if I'm knowing college, it'll be even better, but <laughs> it's always going to be some things you each level you learn from high school to college, college to the pros. Okay. And um, you just it's just learn some little things there. And once you get that down, then, you know. Okay. I want to follow up with you, Bryant. Um, there was a player on the defensive line for the Vikings who had his first game as a Viking and his first game ever, and his name is Jordan Brailford. He was a seventh-round pick from the Washington football team last year. And when we lost uh, Janiel Hunter and then traded Yannick Ngakwe and the DJ Wadhams hurt, we had this dude sitting on our practice squad that was activated, and I didn't know much about him. And if I don't know much about him, it says a lot because I study this stuff way too much. So lo and behold, Mr. Braff- Baralford had a forced fumble on a tackle that he had on Mike Glennon, and then he was in on the safety too, which was a meaningful game-changing safety. So have you seen – um, during your lengthy career, like a player that you've talked about players that show up under the lights and that's what Brailford did. Um, you know, it wasn't a prime time game, but he showed up huge and nobody had really ever heard of him. Um, does it surprise you at all to see a player who nobody really knows about just show up one game and be one, one time and be absolutely game changing all of a sudden? Um, I feel like you'll see that at the beginning. I, I I don't know, like just not randomly, just one game, all of a sudden the lights is on and you're doing good. But I feel like you have people who are gamers okay. and you have some people who they practice, but they're practicing at a tempo to understand and, and get their technique down and things like that. And then when, it, when it's game time, they put all that in, in full speed. So you have different people. You have some people who are practice players and they'll be in practice and it seems like they're balling out and they get in the game and they're not doing good. <laughs> And then you have those people who are doing okay in practice, they're doing their thing, but then they get in the games and they really like excel. So I've seen, you know, both sides. Okay. And the thing that was so remarkable about Brailford is that uh, it was like, I didn't even, you know, see him come onto the field. Um, I guess I didn't watch that closely. And then I, 
me being me, I'm like, well, who the hell caused the fumble? What, who, what guy was that? And then it was Brailford, and then he got in on the safety too. So the fact that he got his shot and he made the best of it, he should see some more playing time. I'm not sure when Wanham will be back, and Wanham doesn't even start yet. Um, he's just all the craze because he kind of reminds us of Daniil Hunter. Um, and um, I, I feel like the coaches would notice that now because, mm-hmm. okay, when they put him in prime time, you know, under the lights, he was productive. So, you know, you have people like in practice, he might not have been – or seemed as productive, but then it's like when it's game time, his mentality is totally different. Yeah, and you, yeah, you, you've talked about that, uh, gamers. Um, I think this is the third time on the show, and that's the first thing I thought of uh, when when Brailford uh, showed up is that, oh, okay, this is the kind of dude that McKinney's talking about that yeah. um, maybe the dudes, maybe the team saw him in practice, and then he finally got his chance, and he didn't blow it. He capitalized on it, and it's, right. it's, it's refreshing because we can, we can use that type of mayhem generated by a defensive player because we don't have a whole lot of it with our pass rush. Ron, did you know who the hell he was before the game started? I mean, outside of seeing him on Madden, I have no idea. Like, you know, I know he picked, he's a practice squad guy that you picked up. Um, you know, it's it's kind of one of those where I have blind faith in any of our D-line because Patterson has been doing it for so long, and you just look at the development. And, I mean, everyone, like, look at Daniel Hunter, go all the way back to Everson Griffin and, you know, Brian Robinson, these guys that, um, you know, are mid to late round picks, and they come and they're productive as hell. And, uh, you know, I don't – I don't know what it is, if it's their, something about their character or just some techniques that he's teaching them. Um, but, man, he's one person that uh, that has continuously done his job on that D-line or is coaching up that D-line, so I give him all the credit. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's another reason we're excited about Wanham is because allegedly, and I think it's true, that was a uh, Patterson selection. And we trust Patterson, like you said, because he's got a resume to back himself up. Um, Daniil Hunter – um, was a third round pick and it's kind of hit or miss what do those guys materialize and Daniel Hunter for damn sure did so when he saw something in Wanham um, it excites us and thus far Wanham has made big plays he had the blocked field goal and then he had the sack to end uh, the Packer game to get this uh, I guess not win streak but five out of six uh, wins in motion all right I want to pivot and talk about offense for a while and particular Kirk Cousins and uh, McKinney um, well, he'll know what I'm talking about. So Joe Flacco, to a, a greater extent, because it was the playoffs and the Super Bowl, basically it felt like turned on a button and was a machine um, during McKinney's Super Bowl run. Um, since this bye week, uh, Kirk Cousins has closed the chapter on a couple really bad games that he had. And the Vikings are winning because of Kirk Cousins. He's not managing the game. He's uh, you know not doing you know doing enough just not to lose he's throwing touchdown passes leading fourth quarter comebacks and it's becoming a pattern for these especially the month of november uh so ron we ask uh every guest every viking fan that comes on here their take on kirk cousins specifically um what is your temperature on him now because you know we're approaching the end of the season and depending on how the playoffs turn out we'll we'll tune we will turn to the draft sooner or later to think about what we want to pick there so would you be opposed to the selection of a quarterback in 2021 um or are you content with kirk i'm a kirk guy um as far as the stats go and the production now when people want to throw out as a top five or comparing him to those guys that's just not fair to him he's (laughs) you know and and then when they look at the salary it's like he's also you know in the maybe in that top 10 range and that's he can have those games where he's a top 10 quarterback, but I know Bryant's touched on it too. He has those games that, um, 
you know, might not be so good. And to your mm-hmm. point that you've said on the podcast uh, several times, he when he has bad games, they're just very bad, and he doesn't rebound. Um, whereas this year, you know, he seems to be doing better at putting, you know, that in, for second half interception behind him and coming leading the team down and making putting points on the board. Um, as far as drafting a quarterback, I'm one that's in the camp of doesn't matter who unless you have a Mahomes or a Deshaun Watson or one of those young franchise type guys I'm not saying first round pick but it's all about you know if there's a third round pick like this year probably like a Jacob Eason type player where you know they could be a project that's my only concern is that Mannion is never going to be the guy um he's sure he might be a good clipboard holder but uh I'm always if you can develop a quarterback kind of even like the Redskins did when they drafted Cousins they took RG3 at number two followed it up with him at four so I'm always about having that pipeline of, Hey, if something ever goes wrong or, you know, if he gets hurt or if his salary gets too big, then you have a replacement in the fold rather than just scrambling. So I was a hundred percent on board when we signed him. Um, still a hundred percent on board. Uh, well, maybe about 98% just cause you know, there are, he has faults, but other than Mahomes and Rogers, every quarterback does. So. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and um, I would not mind whatsoever if they drafted a quarterback anywhere because um, if we did want to do the old-school thing of letting the guy learn behind Cousins, that'd be fine and dandy, and then we could you know, put the heat on Cousins a little bit and let him play out his final two years, and if it didn't in- result in a long playoff run or Super Bowl, then boom, you've got a guy that shouldn't, in theory, be groomed and ready to go. Um, Brian, I've never asked you this point blank. Um, when Flacco carried the offense, um, you know, along, along with a hell of a defense too, to your guys' Super Bowl. Um, did you guys see a change in him, or was it the same type of dude? Uh, because he played like a top two or three quarterback um, in those in that month, month and a half. Um, you know, going into the playoffs, Ray Lewis asked everybody to stay off social media and kind of make the playoffs – uh, be their focus. So I feel like that was something that everybody was trying to commit to and people were really standing on each other about not being on Twitter or Instagram and, and let's just focus on these three games that we had to get us to the Super Bowl. So I just feel like everybody's focus really like honed in during that period of time. Everybody kind of bought into what he asked and um, we knew it was the last year. So I feel like <laughs> it just made everybody focus. Yeah. Yeah. When he did the proverbial gambling on oh, uh, Lewis's last year, I see. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Flacco was in, I think the final year of his deal. And uh, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. he was absolutely amazing in those playoffs. The one thing, Ron, I forgot to mention, and we're talking about cousin, I won't look forward to is uh, if we indeed draft a quarterback in the first through pretty much anywhere in the, in the draft, I'm not going to look forward to the bad games or the bad passes that Kirk has because every single one will be the calling for the guy on the bench saying, all right, well, uh, you know, Kirk threw two picks this game. Let's throw Zach Wilson in there. Let's see what he's got. It will be that digital age immediacy bias that uh, we already do that for Kirk, let alone have the heir apparent behind him. That will get on my nerves and I will write about it profusely. Um, But I don't know, those two games – that Cousins had the Colts and the Falcons, those did bug me a lot because uh, that's the you, you talked about it three or four minutes ago. The only thing that separates Kirk from having a pristine reputation are those clunkers, those turds of games that he has. Because when he's bad, you can pretty much stick a fork in it. He's not like, you know, just bland, vanilla bad. It's like, holy crap, how did this guy, you know, how did I think this guy was good type of bad? 
So uh, that's why if, if those moments exist in there and if we have to encounter another stretch like we did in the beginning of this season, um, you really can't afford that if you want to be a Super Bowl contender. Right now, we're kind of playing with this house money that says, hey, we started one and five in the pandemic season. If we can get back in the playoffs, that's a win in and of itself. But next year with a healthy Daniil Hunter and Anthony Barr and Michael Pierce and then whatever upgrades we make to the rest of the team, we're not going to have this uh, get-out-of-jail-free card anymore. I don't think that Zimmer will. I, I know that uh, uh, his c- cousins won't. Um, but, yeah, it seems like we just need to get those defensive pieces back, and you know, hopefully that's 2021. Um, one of, and it's one also like, um, sorry to interrupt, but it's also, you know, I know Brian in those Super Bowl years, like you guys were what fifth or sixth seed going in and got hot at the right time. Now I'm not predicting that by any means by this Vikings team, but one thing that excites me as a fan is looking for, and I don't usually look forward a year out, but with COVID, with all the injuries, obviously at the beginning of the year, losing Michael Pierce was an instant blow because it's the big free agent signing, you know, 350 pounds of run stuffer up the middle. So, um, but to see to know that we're getting these guys back a year from now and then having these young guys who are thrown in right off the bat with no real training camp. And now they are really ahead of schedule. Cam Dantzler coming in as a third round pick and he's got all this playing time. Glad me, you know, he's probably thrown in earlier than he needed to be because of Hughes and Holton Hill, um, you know, with their injury concerns, but that advances their development so that now you bring back these studs and, who knows? Like now our defense could be back to what it was a few years ago. So, yeah, uh, McKinney, you've talked about that to, um, you know, nibble around the edges of it. Like <clears throat> these guys are getting trial by fire on the job training, whether we like it or not. And you've talked about it when we mentioned tanking, how you said our players don't tank. Um, but you've talked about uh, that this for these rookies is, is great. Um, <laughs> because they get they get playing time and uh we we have to watch them grow before our very eyes so yeah absolutely i mean they didn't have the time that they normally would have to have like four preseason games prior to you know the season so they had to kind of learn on a run and you see we've seen some people progress and some progress really fast mm-hmm. um jefferson's definitely one of them so i mean i feel like the o line progressed from beginning the first four games to what we're seeing now like a lot of people have gotten better um, on that team. It's just the fact that everybody has the same obstacle, but it's good that they're playing better late in the season. It's all, like, remember I always told you, December, see how teams are playing in December. And yeah. I said it back in the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah. When uh, when we were close to, uh, you know, mailing this thing in at one and five, <clears throat> I think even you said, like, uh, you know, I think I asked you, is this team, can they make a playoff run? You're like, ah, I don't know. But you never ruled it out uh, because you've been mm. on teams, uh, those Culpe- well, at least one Culpepper team where they completely turned it around and, you know, won four or five straight to get back to 500. And that's where we're at right now. Um, unfortunately, the next opponent up is one that went through a little down stretch of their own, only to the tune of two games. The uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost to the Rams in a relatively close game, but it still felt pretty anemic from them, if I recall correctly. And then they had the Chiefs come to town. Chiefs jumped all over them. They tried to come back. Didn't quite work out. Both of those games were at home, whether that matters or not. Florida gets to have some fans there. And then uh, then they have the bye week. So uh, it just seems like this nasty recipe for the Vikings because you've got a team that's 
presumably angry playoff team. Um, and then that has a, a bye week and Brady hasn't uh, lost three games. And uh, God, what was the stat? I think it was since 2018 years or something. Yeah. 2002 was the last time that a Tom Brady led team has lost three games in a row. Um, what scares you Ron most about this Bucks team? I think they're, overall talent and veterans that they have um obviously look at their skill position players with evans godwin antonio brown um and then gronk so now not only that throwing tom brady in the mix but uh you're getting them off by potentially being even fresher not taking those hits brady at what 44 45 years old so you know he's the goat and now you're giving him an extra week after two losses to think about it so that's scary um and even on the defensive side you know with uh uh, Devin White, um, you know, leading that defense. Levante David, very underrated as a player. Um, but up front, uh, with hopefully Bradbury is able to play, and uh, otherwise, Dominican Sue is probably going to eat up front. But uh, they, I mean, they have a lot of talent. Um, for me, the thing that I think would give me a shot as a Vikings fan is uh, I, maybe that the have the week off so they they're not eager after two straight losses to you know get back to it right away so maybe there's a little bit of a lull as well as you know the vikings coming in at six and seven being how the cowboys might have been our uh our trap game maybe we're their trap game that side so um you know we're kind of playing with how money being at six and six and this is going to be a tough one um but even if we were you know eight and four um this was still going to be a tough one so we'll see what happens Bryant, you live in Florida. Do you do you watch any of the Bucks games? Do you have any uh, intel on? A little bit. I know that they have a good um, run defense. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So I just want to I just want to make sure. I hope that you know we do a good job in the run because we don't want to go and be a one dimensional team. You know what I mean? So hopefully, you know the offensive line, running backs, and everybody takes up that challenge and goes out here and really tries to be able to run the ball and don't allow them to you know stuff the run because then it's gonna make you one dimensional. Yeah. The, uh, With that. I was going to say their past defense past few weeks has been uh, like, you know, they had a hard time covering Robert Woods and Cooper cup. And then um, Tyree kill had a day. Um, So their run defense. Yes. Is well, great. And we'll lean on hopefully Dalvin cook, but uh, Jefferson, you know, and Thielen, they might have a chance to eat against, uh, against Carlton Davis and uh, um, you know, Jamel Dean, those type of guys. So um, inexperience there could be a benefit to us. On the, the on Bryant's um, contention about the Bucks uh, run defense, so they were. This is like a, a culture thing under Bruce Arians. Evidently, um, last year they were incredible against uh, the run, stopping the run in a good way. They you know they did it well, and nobody cared because um, Jameis Winston was throwing thirty interceptions. Right. The the fact that uh, they stopped the run um, only mattered to dudes like me who follow the numbers. So. On paper, this doesn't look like a good thing for the Vikings because we know for damn sure that uh, Zimmer and these Vikings like to run to set up the pass, and that usually means early and often, and that's getting Dalvin his touches. So if this if this goes like the rest of the Bucks game, Dalvin will be bottled up. But that is why you pay this quarterback an average annual salary of $32, $33 million is because when that happens, we should be able to rely on Kirk to find our weapons. And um, it's just on Ron's point, their secondary hasn't been that good. And Jamel Dean's on the injured list. We don't know if he will play. So 
unfortunately, I think, Bryant, this might get one-dimensional, and we will have to rely on Cousins to win it. Um, we'll just see if he has it in him. I, I believe I, I was definitely against Tampa. I can't remember if it was in Tampa when Cousins had his you-like-that game. Um, they were they were down by whatever, 20, 20 24 points, and he, he and the uh, Washington football team – came back to win so at least he's got it in his dna to come back against the bucks but i fear that they're going to bottle cook up and unless we get cook involved in some of those uh those screen passes which for some weird reason we've been sort of reluctant in 2020 to use it's going to have to be a cousins game and some some of you will wince at that um i kind of enjoy that opportunity because i know verifiably that he can fling the ball um it's just when the run gets taken away um vikings football is usually a poor product so as you can tell, we'll get to predictions in about 10, 15 minutes. I'm a little nervous about this contest. But this is a good segue to talk about that offensive weaponry that Kirk uh, throws to. And Justin Jefferson, I want to uh, get both of your takes. Um, we'll start with you, Bryant. So Jefferson's main competition for Rookie of the Year is Justin Herbert, who is on a 3-9 mm. team that just got their asses beat 45 to nothing by the Patriots. So his stock went pew! And Jefferson had a marvelous game against the Jaguars and his stock went upward. So what do you think it would take for Jefferson to steal this award away from Justin Herbert? Because it's for the most part these days, a quarterback award. No, a phenomenal rest of the season and and try to get into the end zone a lot more. That's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that would certainly help. Um, Ron, do you think more more bad games have to beset Justin Herbert, or do you think that uh, I don't know? What's your take on this uh, O'Roy um, race? You know, it is. It's one of those, like you said, it's become a quarterback award, and uh, which is always tough because if you look at Jefferson, what he's top five in receiving yards, and you know his target share is not what it, those other top receivers are. Um, so he's doing it kind of very dominantly especially when you throw out the the first two weeks of the year where he's very 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 rarely used um I think the fact that he's on pace to maybe not break records but be in that conversation of you know the Anquan Bolden the you know Odell Beckham in his 12 games uh those type of guys and I think the the nature um I guess just uh, his play like the swag he has on the field like that you know you see around the league like people you know, tweet like players tweeting about him and how dominant he's been. So combine that with the fact the Vikings now are in the mix to get in the playoffs right now, if they if it ended today, they'd be in. Um, I think that helps his case. Um, but Herbert can also have three games back to back of 400 yards and, and multiple touchdowns. So yeah. he can easily, I think Jefferson would be in the lead right now, but that could very well uh, sway the other way in the next few weeks. And that's cool because it Jefferson was a long shot I think probably right before Burrow got hurt, it was, I think I, I nibbled around uh, writing about it in an article that, you know, he had a realistic shot, but it really became a sexy talking point when the Patriots just beat the hell um, out of the, the chargers. Um, you mentioned um, the, I guess, potential playoff matchup between the, the Packers as it stands right now, if the playoffs started today, the proverbial saying, uh, the Vikings would travel to Lambeau Field. Um, the other suitors um, for the NFC's second seed, maybe if we're lucky, the third seed, um, 
because assuming the Vikings could potentially get the sixth seed if they topple the Buccaneers this weekend, would be go going to New Orleans or to Seattle. So between Green Bay, New Orleans, Seattle, none of those are you know delicious for the Vikings. So Ron, if you had to pick one of those destinations with an outside chance that we could go to Los Angeles to play the Rams, um, which of the big three, Packers, Saints, Seattle, is a fan, would you rather go play in the wild card round if we get there? As a fan, I'd much rather see the Packers just because of the division games. Um, you know, it's whatever the records are, you can throw them out the window in regular season. So the intensity only um, gets turned up a notch in the playoffs. Um, and then I go back to, you know, was it 05, I believe, um, or maybe even, yeah, that when we went there, Randy Moss and, you know, had, had his way. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's, I'd, I'd love to see this team in the elements against the Packers because they have a hard time tackling people consistently. Um, although Rogers is uh, still Rogers, but evidence of the game a month or so ago with the extreme wins and he was, uh, he was limited. So yeah. um, that would be, even with all of them with no fans or limited fans, they're either way, they're going to be tough places to play just because they're good teams. I'm not taking anything away from them, but uh, I would go with the division, the third, the rubber match of, uh, of it over at all. So. Okay. Bryant, you were on that uh, 2004 team or the, the 2005 playoff game <clears throat> that upset the Packers. That's when uh, a couple shows back, we talked about you having the Afro out. Um, as a former player of the Vikings, would you rather watch this team go to Green Bay, to New Orleans, or to Seattle for a, a playoff game? Um, I feel like they play Seattle so close this year. I feel like they would like to get another chance to play Seattle and actually beat them finally yeah. and kind of get over that hump of you know not being able to get past Seattle. So I wouldn't mind seeing them play Seattle. Okay. That's um, <clears throat> should also be called out that in Seattle, there were two chances where the Vikings could have won that game. And – I'm not saying that because I'm this biased Vikings fans. It's like certifiable football science. Had Alexander Madison um, gone a slightly different direction um, on that fourth and fourth and one, fourth and inches play, uh, that would have ended the game, period. Um, but it didn't happen. Uh, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks got the ball back, and it got down to, was that one fourth and six or fourth and ten? I think it was fourth and ten. And, of course, they completed that against all odds. I believe that was on Cameron Dantzler. And after that one, I think we, all three of us knew that uh, Seahawks were going to finish it out and march down the field, which they did. So Ron said the Packers, McKinney says Seahawks. So we're going to get them all covered here. Uh, I'm, I say the Saints, and that's because Breeze is old. Some people still think that he's got one hurrah left in him. Maybe he does. But the Vikings don't have a problem with Drew Breeze. Um, they, Zimmer has some sort of voodoo on him that although he plays decent in those games, uh, he's not Herculean. Uh, Daniel Hunter got the best of him in a strip sack that changed the course of the game in Vikings history. And the only offense they had in that playoff game from last January was Taysom Hill's gadget crap. Um, that's the only time they scored was on his stupid little plays that they called up for him. And there's a decent chance that if it's Vikings Saints that Taysom Hill could be the quarterback. So um, I guess maybe I'll watch the Christmas game and figure out if I still think that uh, the Vikings have their number. Um, but let's say the Saints win that game and the Vikings still somehow get in the playoffs. I think we, we'd be due to go down there in a, for the most part, quiet stadium and potentially win because I just don't think Zimmer is intimidated by, by the Saints, and I love that. Um, a couple more things before we close her out. Um, Ron, now we've seen three-fourths of the product this season. We've got four games left. 
what do you think is the biggest strength of this Vikings team from like a positional depth chart perspective? Um, with the current roster, with like taking away the injuries and everything, like the running game, um, I mean, even outside of Dalvin, Alexander Madison, even Mike Boone in spurts when he's there, I think that's the deepest position just because of the top end talent as well as the depth. Um, but, you know, everything on our offense runs off of the, the running game, like our play action passes, everything. So I think that's the heart and soul of this team. And to Zimmer's, you know, fashion, that's, that's what he wants. So um, that's what I would lean on. I think that's fair. What about you, Bryant? What do you think is the strongest piece of this Vikings team as constructed? Well, like we're just right now, overall, I feel like the offense is like the strongest piece. Um, the defense has been coming along and, and doing a lot better, but the, the offense to me has been carrying this team this season. Okay. Um, and then one last topic to kind of bring this full circle around. We talked about this in the first segment. Um, what would be your first round wish list? I know we uh, kind of chatted about where a quarterback might be drafted if, uh, if we wanted to put some heat on QB1, um, but let's either consider that or take it out of our memory. If the Vikings end up getting what would probably be the 20th pick overall, if we finish nine and seven or so, uh, what do you want in the first round of the draft? Offensive line. Uh, I think that's, been the biggest limitation to this offense um and i feel like in the 20 20 range um you know obviously those top tier tackles are off the board because that's premier position but um those guards are interior linemen but you can snag one of those top ones out there i look back you know zach martin um somewhere around there uh david DeCastro in in pittsburgh you know you can get these top-notch interior linemen and that's been our weakness um dakota dozier while serviceable um he has his faults ezra cleveland maybe he's the answer outside um long term but uh um if they can shore up that um that that'll just improve the entire offensive line yeah, I would not be perturbed by an offensive line selection, but I will say uh, I think this unit is one guard, free agent guard, away from being a very good offensive line. Um, yes, I hope Dakota Dozier doesn't listen to this show because I don't think – I think he is what he is, which is a, a good depth piece of an offensive line, and that's what he has been up until this year when he's been forced to start. Um, guards don't usually go off the board in the first round, I guess – if, if it's a, a stud, then they might. Um, so I, I would prefer if we do find some pennies to pinch that the Vikings would find a guard in um, the free agent market. And then I think that Reef, um, Cleveland, Bradbury, free agent uh, guard, and O'Neal, I think that would be pretty, pretty darn good. So with that said, I would prefer a three-technique defensive tackle um, because Sheldon Richardson was actually pretty decent. He didn't get a lot of love from us, but he did force a hell of a lot more pressure than any dude we've had since, and probably to an extent uh, before uh, with Sharif Floyd and whatnot. Um, but I, I would love to us to have a mini version of Aaron Donald because nobody's going to be that good, but somebody that can create a pass rush on the inside of the line because the way that we do it now is we just take that? We just don't even consider that a thing. Um, Shamar Steven is a good football player. He's filling in admirably at nose tackle, but last year he had two pressures and he played. You know, I think it was every game. So he's not cut out to be a you know three technique, at least in my opinion, on a ferocious pass rush defense or a defensive line that likes to pass rush the quarterback. So I would love to see you know a mini monster um, in the middle like that. 
so you that think would be any of the young guys on roster, whether Jaleel Johnson or Armand Watts, that their development as well as getting Michael Pierce back next year, that would, you know, yeah. take them to another level. Yeah, I, well. I don't. Yeah, I believe that could happen. Um, but right now, the, the way that I see the cap and everything, I think we have like this window that keeps being extended by phenomenal picks like Justin Jefferson that. When we had Sheldon Richardson, that was my utopian scenario because from left to right, was it uh, Everson? Uh, let's see. Then that would have been Sheldon Lynn Richardson, Linval, who I loved. And, um, of course, Daniil Hunter um, in his fourth year at the time. And I think that was his, was his first year really starting. Um, was 2018. I know he got in a lot um, in 2017 when Robinson <clears> – <throat> I think technically Robinson, Robinson started in 2017. I can't remember yeah. exactly the year. So I would love to have this finished product of uh, Odenbo and Daniil on the bookends, <clears throat> Michael Pierce stuff in the run, and then you know a guy who really generates pressure and not just a footnote to the whole thing. But <clears throat> my draft list could change. Zimmer will probably end up taking a corner. Uh, <laughs> who yeah. knows? I don't follow college closely enough to know kind of what's out there other than those top names that you yeah. hear about. So I, like I said, it's a wish list. I have no idea. Name A and name B could be the same at this point to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just have to, I start reading and I'm with you. I don't sit down on Saturdays and watch football. I, I put too much, too much effort into Sundays that uh, I don't know. I don't know how much family life I could have if I sat down <laughs> and watched college football all day on Saturdays. Uh, Brian, yeah. do you have anything on uh, the draft, what you think this team could really use, or you want to wait till we get to draft time to talk about that? I can wait till we get closer to the draft time because I'm not really sure. Okay. Yeah. I, well, Brian and I de- uh, decided for our listeners out there that we're going to still do the show um, during the off season and we're going to just do a little lesser time length because – other than you know breaking news or that type of thing, there probably won't be the full 50 to 60 minutes stuff to talk about each week unless you're really nitpicking on things. So I think he and I will hop on for 20 to 30 minutes each week to kind of go over whatever news came up. Um, but that's the itinerary for the offseason. And then with that said, we'll get into the draft ad nauseum um, and go from there. So per usual, we're going to get to predictions. Um, this is uh, not a must win, but if we somehow do win, then we do take the, the steering wheel in this playoff race, at least to get into it, um, because we'd have the tiebreaker over the Bucks, who are currently seven and five, and we're six and six, so that would even us both to seven and six. The Cardinals look like they're in a quasi version of disarray, and they're playing the all of a sudden hot Giants, who to thunk that, um, who has a defense that's pretty darn good all of a sudden. So this game would really get us seriously talking about playoffs. If we lose it, then we got to win out. There's no room for error. We've got to win uh, against the Bears, Lions, and Saints and hope that the Cardinals drop uh, some a game to somebody. So, Bryant, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, there is no wrong answer. Vikings at Bucks at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern this Sunday. Who you got? I can see the Vikings winning this 24-21. I feel like it would be a close game. Wow. And really will come down to whoever has the ball last, really. Okay. All right. Uh, Ron, what do you got? You know, I well, I like that thought, um, and it'd be nice to see Cousins' best Brady in a last-minute drive. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> it's just one of those that I think there's too much, um, again, because of the youth and experience, the Bucks, Bucks coming off of two losses and a bye. Um, I think that's going to be a little too much to overcome, um, but I expect a good matchup. Um, um, as a final, Bucks. 
Can you repeat the final? You cut out on me. 27.23 bucks. 27.23 bucks. Okay. So my prediction is not going to be liked by either one of you nor by anybody listening. Um, This feels to me like a game where the Vikings do not play well. It's on grass. The Vikings are never good on grass. Um, it's against Tom Brady, who the Vikings have never beat. He, uh, his Patriots were 5-0 and against them. We talked about the run defense. I think they're going to gobble up Dalvin and make us one-dimensional, kind of what Bryant was talking about um, about 20 minutes ago. And then all these uh, wide receivers and tight ends we have to cover. Like, their worst guy, uh, boy, is probably Tyler Johnson. And we Minnesota fans know all about him and know – um, you know that he's not a poor player. It just seems like too many pass catchers to cover. And I don't know. I've watched all of these Brady games of him pick apart the Vikings. So I'm not optimistic. And I have a feeling that we're going to get crushed. And then we're going to be back in that mode of, you know, this team sucks. You know, why do I even get so excited to begin with? Which shouldn't, shouldn't be the, the deal. But I'm going to take the Bucks 35 to 10 over the Vikings. Oof. Yeah, that's, that's Here, not kind of... All right, Twitter's going to be fun after that. If that <laughs> yeah, it'll be nasty. All right, at the beginning of the show, um, I apologized. Uh, we could not connect with Warren Sapp. We thought we would, but we're going to try our damnedest to get him on for a recap show, um, which would probably hit on Monday or Tuesday. I will keep uh, the listeners posted. Um, but other than that, am I missing anything, gentlemen? I think so. Not at all. No. All right. Well, Ron from Mean Prairie, we appreciate you joining us. And when we do land Warren Sapp, you will be back on the show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that <laughs> promise because you deserve to mix it up with him a little bit. All right. I appreciate it. All right, uh, Bryant, we'll talk to you next week. And that's all we have. Skull Viking. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.